Welcome, folks, to our next edition of Spotlight on Americas, which, as you may remember, is quick bite-sized pieces of innovative content to introduce viewers to Accenture's investment in growth stage companies. Now, the one we're talking about today is a data management platform built for connecting data across your enterprise. It is the ultimate enterprise knowledge graph to get better insights faster. And with that slight, you know, uh, peek into it, Tom, we'll hand it over to you to engage our audience in an exciting new technology and introduce a fantastic entrepreneur in the hottest area right now, Gen AI, data analytics, and the integration space. Thank you, Shivani. And, and how appropriate and timely this is after Julie just announced our $3 billion investment into data and AI over the coming years. This particular topic, and Kendall Clark is joining me today, and I'll, uh, I'll introduce Kendall in a second, but Stardog and Kendall Clark, this particular topic is very personal in that I, I spent the majority of my 45-year career building data and analytic companies. And what I've learned over that period of time is before you get to these great insights and this generative or predictive capability of data, you need to build a structure, a data schema, an architecture, a, a knowledge graph underneath it to get the speed, to get the capabilities. And I, we were so impressed. Uh, Teresa Tung, uh, Lon Kwan, and myself were so impressed with Kendall, Kendall's company and Stardog for its interoperability, the ability to handle multi-lake, the ability to handle multi-system, the ability to handle multi-cloud and multi-partners. These are the essence of great architecture, modern architectures, and that's what Stardog is. And so, Kendall, it's great to see you again. Kendall Clark is the founder and CEO of Stardog. It's a Washington, D.C., Virginia-based uh, company uh, that we invested in recently. Welcome, uh, Kendall, to uh, Spotlight on Americas. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Giovanni. Nice to, happy to join you guys this morning. Well, talk to us a little bit about why you built this company and, and what makes it so unique and compelling. Uh, so, Tom, the, the answer uh, you kind of just gave in your, in your, in your very one you know, half-sentence bio, you spent 45 years in the data analytics space. Uh, I haven't spent quite that much, but, on, you know, on, on the way in that direction, uh, a good 25 years. And the original motivation for Stardog was to solve what we old timers used to call the data silo problem. You remember the data silo problem, of course. Uh, now we call that data sprawl. It's in essence the same problem, but in some ways the problem's gotten worse. Uh, you mentioned multi-lake, multi-cloud. The, the the rise of the what we call what everyone calls the hybrid multi-cloud, the fact that data now lives in more places than ever before. It really has been a huge boon for for companies for you know shifting opex to capex and or capex to opex i should say and all those sorts of things and it's and it's accelerated the business of of getting insight from data but it's also created a problem right so there's nothing free in this world and every solution contains within it some new problem typically and in this case the data silo problem turned into the data sprawl problem and now for most modern uh, large-scale enterprises big companies it's very difficult to even know where the center of data gravity is. In fact, I don't like talking about the center of data gravity because just like the universe itself, which has no center, it's too large. Uh, most big companies, there is no center of data gravity. There are multiple centers, right? It reminds me a little bit of Los Angeles or my hometown of Houston where there's not one downtown, there's a couple downtowns, right? The places are just too big to have one center. 
So in this kind of world, the sprawl of data has become the major impediment to getting insight and making data-driven decisions. And exactly to your point, I like the analogy of uh, uh, analytics and AI systems are like the engines of fancy sports cars, uh, and data is the fuel that goes into those engines. And you can build a beautiful, wonderful engine and set it on the shelf and admire it for its precision and its engineering. But without you know, good old high, high test, high proof octane fuel to put in that engine, the car doesn't go anywhere. Right. So the data has to be doesn't have to be perfect. And one of the things that's exciting about generative AI in particular, LLMs in particular, is the data imperfections are starting to be less of a challenge. We're going to be able to handle those with L, with, with LLM. But um, yeah, the, the focus or the point of a knowledge graph is to really drive a new level of data democratization. We want all knowledge workers, not just the folks who can handle Python notebooks and SQL queries all day. Right. Everybody in the organization has something in a large modern enterprise has something to contribute to the knowledge of the organization. And the, the main impediments to that today are the state of the data and then the way the data gets presented in terms of a, a format, a, a relational format, typically, that's really hard for folks, non-technical folks to understand. So we focus on graph presentation, knowledge graph in particular, because it really lets us get to grips with the complexity of the data, but then also present that complexity back to the knowledge workers of the organization in a way they can actually understand it. We really want to focus on integrating data based on its business meaning, not really on its storage location or on some sort of IT details. So I'll stop there, but that was the original motivation for the business. It's still our mission. And it's one of the reasons I'm excited both about the LLM era that we're in now, but also about this new partnership we put together with you guys at Accenture. You know, you know, this is a really transformative moment in time in our tech in industry. You know, this generative AI is is all the rage. So, who are you seeing as the first movers? What are the use cases, and the, the is it an industry, or is it across the spectrum, or is there any particular use case that are is focused on knowledge? Your knowledge graph. Uh, I, I don't yet see any particular industry at the forefront, just because we see interest from everywhere, right? So. But in particular, I would call out uh, both the life sciences business or life sciences sector and the manufacturing sector, uh, largely because those are two places where the data is either in the life sciences case, very complex and also just distributed across the supply chain, right? So you talk about early scientific uh, preclinical R&D, just complexity of you know, biological systems, human health, these are very complex domains. And that carries all the way through a often a, well, typically a globally distributed supply chain manufacturing kind of context. And then you roll it forward to doctors prescribing patients and things like adverse reactions and, and uh, health management, right? So that considered all together is the data of a pharma, of, of, a, of a big life sciences company. And that kind of complexity from you know early molecular science and the omics all the way through to you know some people who got this drug got had an adverse reaction was it their biochemistry was it a bad did the doctor give a bad prescription was it bad batch management were the pills themselves suspect right that's a complex problem there's a whole host of complex problems there and siloed data really impedes the ability to figure those, you know, kind of longitudinal questions the where they go across data sets. And one of the things we're starting to see is 
the generative AI's ability, one of the things we've been focusing on early is the ability to shift from query answering in a data management system to question answering. And one of the things LLM is gonna change about the way data gets presented to people is there will still be queries and databases will still exist and queries have to be generated, but those queries will now be generated in this new LLM era directly from human expertise, just asking a plain language question. And the, the, the turning of that into a query, maybe a very complex query that gets executed in a platform like Stardog is now cons will, will very soon be considered a kind of implementation detail. Whereas before, I mean, really until six months ago, it was kind of the point of all of these systems was to get a good business question that you could express in a query and send it to the right data sources and get an answer, right? So uh, yeah. the early impact, the impact across the board will be huge and deep and wide. But for us, the early impact is really pushing that earliest stage of the democratization effort and getting the data that's already connected in a data lake or a data fabric, a multi-lake or multi-fabric kind of situation, more accessible uh, to, I, I like to say ordinary people, but I just mean by that, not IT people, right? So mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals manufacturers are full of subject matter experts, Accenture's full of subject matter experts, for instance, that have huge amounts of business or deep business expertise, but they can't write a SQL query. And yeah. we've talked about this in the industry as a skills gap. And I always say, hey, we've got a person here with two master's degrees, and 25 years of experience, I'm not gonna tell that person they have a skills gap because they can't write JavaScript or SQL. They don't have a skills gap, we have a tools problem. Right. And what's really exciting about the LLM stuff is it's gonna take that part of the problem and not just for startup, right? For lots and lots of companies, this will be table stakes in a year. It's gonna yeah. take that and just push the whole industry towards question answering rather than query answering. And that's a big difference in terms of people's ability to access the data. That's a great point. So Kendall, if I'm a uh, chief uh, data officer, chief analytics officer, uh, or I may, may even be responsible for a particular business unit based on what you just mentioned earlier, what are some of the tactical actions that I can take for my organization in order to start help addressing this gap and kind of build uh, based on the technology that you just talked about? Yeah, I think the most important thing is kind of a, uh, it's tactical in that it's it's real world, it's important in the real world, but it's a little bit of a principle and I'll put it in a kind of a negative way, right? Which is to say, you should resist the temptation to go big too quickly. And what I mean by that is there is this tendency, I've, I've had this tendency in the past and my team still sometimes tells me I have it today and they have to keep me under wraps a bit, but there's a tendency to go big and solve the big general problem too early. Right, so particularly with LLM, generative AI, uh, there's a lot of innovation in the data management space with the uh, rise of data mesh and data fabric. The ten these are perfectly general purpose, generic, almost universal technologies. They can solve lots and lots of problems. They can solve the big data sprawl problem, but organizations don't actually implement technology that way successfully. You implement technology successfully by starting with one particular specific you know, very ROI gated or ROI, you know, inf uh, implicated problem and building momentum, uh, getting some early wins, taking those wins and success back to, to the board, to the economic buyers, to the decision makers, to the consulting world and saying, look what we've done, let's keep doing this. At some point, there's a tipping point where people start to believe, oh, okay, we've done this three, five, eight times. 
Now we have the, the know-how, the expertise, we've made some progress, we've got institutional momentum. Now let's start thinking about, well, how would we you know, really change how we manage data generally, right? And, and there just tends to be this temptation to jump right to that kind of end stage. And that just typically doesn't work. Even in the biggest organizations, they will struggle to show value um, over a short, you know, we, we just live in a very results oriented, what have you done for me this quarter kind of business climate, particularly now. So I think the most important thing is to not necessarily start small, but start specific, right? Mm -hmm. One business unit, one specific business problem, maybe one that the C-suite really cares about. That's always good to have strategic, uh, you know, top cover. But uh, I, I think the we, we, we on the vendor side and even on the Accenture side or the consulting side will want to talk about the transformative capability or potential of this technology, which is certainly true. But I think sometimes there's a little trap in that for the customer, the end user. They think, oh, well, well to do anything here, I have to, I have to do a big thing, right? Yeah. And I, I, I've become very uh, allergic to big, big corporate projects because they're they're difficult to defend, they're difficult to renew, they're difficult to get into production. And I tend to prefer a smaller uh, piecemeal approach. I, I really probably shouldn't say smaller at Accenture size, there's not a lot of small projects, but the important point is to go piecemeal and incrementally rather than try yeah. to boil the ocean. I know people will say this all the time, but in this, we're in, as Tom said, in, in one of these really dislocating moments where you know the ground underneath us seems to be moving around. And, and I think the temptation to, to go very big is is particularly potent in this kind of climate and that means but but that means it has to be resisted all the more yeah i think i, I think sometimes we it, that was a great way of putting it um i think sometimes we we forget that innovation is really uh evolution uh, and it's it doesn't come in a big bomb it, it happens over time and it's gradual and, and such even though generative ai has gotten a lot of momentum kendall uh, great, great synopsis of Stardog. You know, we this this investment was sponsored by uh, Lan Kwan and Teresa Tung, and mm -hmm. particularly Karthik Naren uh, around Cloud First. And so, mm -hmm. one of our biggest challenges of moving and transforming our customers into cloud into cloud computing is getting data right and getting it structurally right. And Stardog is Stardog is foundational to getting our architectures and data right so that we get the best insights as we go forward. Kendall, uh, Kendall Clark, I wanna thank you uh, for starting uh, Stardog and for being our partner along the way. Uh, Shivani, on behalf of Shivani Vora and myself, thank you for joining us here for our podcast or uh, our Spotlight on Americas. And for everybody out there, we'll see you in the spotlight. Mm -hmm.